Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamford. And I'm still a socially distanced Adam Nicholas as well. And also, still, Michael, you can call us the front of the goddamn player. (laughs) Still, still, can we? Still, because we are all business as usual, because nothing is going to stop podcast bloody horsemen. Speaking of which, <laughs> you can find us on all the great social media places, Instagram, Twitter, at Podcast Horsemen. Send us all your favourite stuff. Get in touch. Let us know what you think about the show. If you love it, great. If you hate it, well, maybe just leave, keep it to yourself. <laughs> uh, but, but if you do like it, then you can also find us on all good podcast networks. Where, where, where can they find us, Michael? They can find us on Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe. They can follow along on Spotify. They can listen along on Acast. They can even find us on the tweets on the at Podcast Horseman Twitter feed through Acast. We're on Podbeam. We're on Stitcher. We're on pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. And we would love you to leave us a review. As every single podcast you've ever heard tells you, they're great for the algorithm. They're great for people to find us. They're great if you're searching for Bojack Horseman, you're going to find us. And then more people can talk themselves horse about that talking horse at the end of this episode. We're going to be reading out one of those five-star reviews and inducting them into our Hollywood Talk of Fame. Oh, the Hollywood Talk of Fame. The prestigious Hollywood Talk of Fame, Michael. Gotta love it. Well, you literally love to see it. If only for our egos, you love to see it. Well, I have to love to see it because I can't see you in person, so I've really got to indulge <laughs> in this tiny bit of video that no one else gets to see, but you all get to hear the joy in our little voices. Speaking of joy in our little voices, shall we do something fun? Because obviously, as you all know, Season one is now complete bar a, a full season review. We'll talk about that more at the end of the episode. But we have on this week's episode of Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman Christmas special, Michael. Mm. How exciting. Everybody who was messaging so far saying they didn't even know this existed, some people. I didn't know. even know to look for it on Netflix. So what a treat if you've had the show for so long and you've missed an episode. But let's go to Netflix now and talk about this episode and their summary. So obviously this is... Bojack Horseman, the Christmas special. And the synopsis is as follows. It's Christmas and Bojack wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> then Todd shows up with giant candy cane and an old horse and around Christmas episode. And, you know, dare I even say it, Michael, I think this might be quite quite a nice and happy episode of Bojack Horseman. 
This is brilliant for a lot of reasons, not least for, as you point out, it is itself a gift. Um, the episode is meta from the very beginning because Todd even showing up with an episode of Horsing Around is a bit like, as you say, us showing up with some people on Twitter with an episode of Horsing Around. The idea that Netflix would leave this hidden, whoever's idea it was to keep it away from the canon of the show, that was inspired because this episode can effectively exist at any point in the show's history whenever you find it, but they made it just after season one to come before season two. So that's why we're picking it up now. But it is indeed something to unwrap, even if it's in the middle of April, which is when we're recording, or if it's nowhere near Christmas, whenever you, when you happen to be listening to this, it is a special gift. Much like Todd is trying to impose upon Bojack here, but failing. He storms into Bojack's room, as we've been classic Bojack, quite literally this week, singing, Joy to the world, Todd is here, he drank all of your beer. Uh, he is full of beans because it's Christmas Day, uh, Bojack doesn't give a toss, seems hassled <laughs> by being woken up by Todd. Um, Todd reveals that he stole Bojack's credit card to buy himself a new hat, which is identical to his first one. So that counts as the gift that Bojack bought him. Um, Bojack doesn't want anything to do with the day, doesn't want anything to do with Todd, until Todd catches his eye with an episode he entitles Sabrina's Christmas Wish, which is a horsing around DVD, one of the many that has no doubt been scattered across Bojack's living room floor. Um, Bojack surprisingly isn't that fussed about it compared to how we would normally be watching Horsing Around. He notes that special holiday episodes are always stupid, cynical cash grabs by greedy corporations looking to squeeze a few extra Nielsen points out of sentimental claptrap from mushroom-brained idiots who'd rather spend their Christmas watching a fi fake family on television than actually try and have a conversation with their own dumb family. <laughs> Believe me, watching this in lockdown, I felt some of this. And thank you, Netflix, <laughs> for grabbing some more of my cash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously a brilliant meta commentary on why they would even bother to make a Christmas special outside of the traditional uh, seasonal structure of Bojack Horseman. Todd <laughs> listens, ticks intently and replies with, I like it when people on TV hug each other. <laughs> Which hit me even harder because I was like, that's a great joke. And then I paused and I was like, oh, you remember when people used to hug each other? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew this could be quite so potent? Um, Todd, because he's just so goddamn charming, kind of like twist Bojack arm. Bojack begrudgingly acquiesces. And then Todd replies, hooray, begrudging acquiescence. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a bit of a warmer cold open there. A nice commentary on Christmas episodes. We often talk about Bojack commenting on the conventions of Hollywood and kind of like the laughable side of things. Here it's taken on Christmas telly, which of course is an offspin of Hollywood in general. Offspin of Hollywood in general and also quite very specifically uh tv sitcoms isn't it i mean this is this was especially in the 90s this was a big deal the tv sitcom the christmas episode you still see it nowadays but it's a little bit different isn't it i think back then that was definitely a very specific formula and one that we kind of see play out in this episode brilliantly so now this would obviously be the point where the cold open ends the credits roll and we go to the first scene of the episode proper oh but god we... i can already see you are like holding in laughs here because this is <laughs> The opening credits for Bojack Horseman are amazing, but these might, they might even be on par, Michael. So we are, this whole episode obviously is a gift to the fans. Um, it's titled Sabrina's <laughs> Christmas Wish, but I think it's ours. Um, yeah. We get a full episode of Horsing Around, that's the rub. So that includes the credits to Horsing Around, which, as we say, never skip the credits on a normal episode of Bojack Horseman. So dear God, do not skip these credits. Nope. The horsing around credits, Nicholas, so they are very reminiscent of any 80s, 90s 
early noughties sitcom credits you've ever seen. You see the cityscape of Chicago. Uh, you see little sort of things like the local parks, local buildings, um, the characters in there, like the loose structure of where they started in their life before the show began. Uh, you get the actors' names flash up. It's all that sort of very generic television stuff rather than what Bojack Horseman is, which is a completely unique spin on how to do television credits. So I like the distance between those two things right out of the gate. But these credits. So the theme completely uh, just provides entire exposition on the story of these characters. I'm not going to sing it or quote it word for word, but basically the whole <laughs> ridiculous premise of Horsing Around is explored and completed within the opening credits. Uh, <laughs> To recap, for anybody that hasn't picked up the plot in listening to our reviews of the episodes individually of Bojack Horseman, uh, there are three orphans with nowhere to go. Uh, they're in a taxi to who knows where because they've been booted out of the orphanage and the adoption agency they were part of. When they pull up outside a horse, the horse, who is Bojack Horseman, obviously playing a character called the horse, pops his head out of a stable door, shouts, live with me, which as a call to the real Bojack's <laughs> desperation, <laughs> Utterly incredible. Hang on, hang on. You you can't just brush past this because I, I, I'm i going to have to come back to this. I'll let you finish, but I, I'm going to let you finish, but I, I'm going to have to come back to this. You have let me finish because that's it. A <laughs> <Like they're, laughs> horse pops his head out of a stable door, screams, live with me, and they do. The end. Right. I have watched this show a million times now. And I have listened, like, whether it was in the background while Bojack's been watching an episode or even watching the Christmas special in the past. It's ringtone. It's his ringtone still. It's his ringtone, yeah. I have never, ever, ever, for some reason, picked up on that line in the lyrics where um, the literal lyric in the song is, until a horse says, live with me. That's the lyric. (laughs) The lyric is, until a horse says, live with me. (laughs) This, like everything, like a Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter idea, this shouldn't have happened. Horseman around should never have happened. Bojack Horseman's career should never have happened. Uh, <laughs> of course, this is, imagine, like, basically, spin a wheel, pick your worst ever sitcom, pick the thing that you can't believe you found yourself watching once, and this is that to the nth degree. This is not that far removed from some of the stupidest comedies that me of the air, but it's far enough removed because a horse said to three orphans live with me. It, it's And obviously, as you've kind of alluded to there, it plays to what we know about Bojack Horseman's real life, um, like concerns over loneliness, over isolation, over not knowing where his place is in life. He has taken somebody off the street in Todd and said, live with me. Like, <laughs> There's no difference. I tell you what, the, the, the big thing here that hit me was, do you remember when him and Herb are talking about this? when Herb gets told he's going to make the show and they're standing at the observatory and the sailor, he says like, oh, are you ready to kind of do a big deep dive into the, the American family and all this? And Bojack's like, really? He's like, no, let's just make a ton of money. <laughs> so, and so obviously, so this is the audio that plays over the origin story of the orphans and we get the briefest uh, interstitial of the orphans living with Bojack and now they're a family as the credits tell us and then we hit the we hit the horse and around the title sting but in those clips even 
there is so, so much to watch and laugh at and love. So a couple of quick notes from this, because I know for a fact you'll have plenty more. Um, Ethan, the male orphan, is played by uh, uh, the, the actor Bradley Hitler-Smith. Um, oh, God's sake, man. More on that later. I <laughs> wish I didn't have to say, but more <laughs> on that later. Um there's some great, obviously, moments where you see the horse interacting with the orphans as a family. Um, they're playing mini golf. They're playing football. Uh, where Ethan takes a football right to the face. They're having a water fight in the garden where the horse is squirting the hose square on Ethan's crotch. And in the credits, Ethan looks miserable. <laughs> this role that he's taken on. He's not acting. He's just selling the actual pain of an adult horse, bullying him on camera, and it getting used as the final take. It's the level of, of hilarity that I found in each and every one of these frames. When you really watch them properly, Ethan just gets such a rough deal in the credits, <laughs> man. It's unreal. Like Bojack's undying love and sort of generosity towards Sarah Lynn. Uh, he's, it's the complete opposite with Ethan, pretty much, because of Sarah Lynn's existence. And Olivia is kind of lucky that she just gets to float around and not really... She's, she's part of it, but like not... Sarah Lynn is clearly the focus pretty much for yeah. all of this. And Ethan's just the complete antithesis of this. It's wonderful. It's almost as if Bojack said, live with me to Sarah Lynn and Livia. And then Ethan came along. And Ethan for, came along for the ride. Yeah. It is. It's, there is a, I mean, these are so of their time, obviously, in the references that are being made. But there is Bojack Horseman's staple darkness running throughout these credits. Yeah. It is absolutely must watch, and dare I say, it's much what must watch more than once if you're rewatching this episode, because as you point out, frame by frame, there will be so much you pick up. And so, before you move, just before you move on, yeah. if anybody does indeed want to do that, then believe it or not, it's just on Netflix as its own show. You can search for "horsing around" on Netflix, yes, and just watch the credits. That is something you can actually do. So feel free to go and do that as well. That's a good point, you know. God bless Netflix because they put the credits on for you to enjoy because these ones have got sleigh bells added because that's the cheap yeah. and nasty sort of way they wanted to inform. There's no additional, like, sort of fluff to the credits, just no. the odd sleigh bells every now and then because <laughs> this was just about making a bunch of money, wasn't it? There was no effort to be made. So, yeah, those are the credits and, you know, already just exhausted with laughs, but they just keep on coming. If not from the show within the show itself, horsing around is a really bad show. So yeah. we start with uh, Olivia making breakfast for the family. So the horse will give her money to buy a cute leather jacket. Everything in this is a joke to build to a joke to build to a joke to build to a joke. It couldn't feel any more synthetic. It doesn't remotely feel real. We have all seen these shows before. A voiceover has previously told us that it's being filmed in front of a live studio audience. And we constantly are made aware of that by the live studio audience pissing themselves at this pattern the low-hanging fruit that this audience go for which obviously is the reason why they thought they could just fart out this dreadful content you hear repeatedly from a man in the crowd that yells and heckles and shouts cat calls to everybody but they're all clear fans we've seen in bojack horseman that he goes out there and addresses these like this his public as he believes but they are just willing to swallow up any of this dirge and enjoy it, which allows them to get away with it. We see Ethan reading a copy of International Business News. He doesn't care about fashion. <laughs> An unbelievable line really early in the show. I've heard of a one jacket mind, but this is ridiculous. At which point it cuts back to Todd and Bud at watching and say, what the hell's a one jacket mind? <laughs> 
there obviously none of this, as is always the case in these sitcoms, all of this early dialogue is fluff. They are using plot point A to get to B to get to C to get to the actual meat of the episode, which is that the orphans haven't ever had a Christmas before. That's pretty ridiculous, but we'll go straight past it. Sarah Lynn walks into shot and is the biggest star of the show. She is set to be the breakout star from the set, which is clear. You get that huge wave of applause just when she walks on set, as if all of this show has been building up to the moment she appears. Um, we've seen this with like countless American comedies where someone was to be the breakout star and you could almost see it happening. It was great in uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because it started as Will and then it gradually became Carlton. And what you saw was mm. both of them almost competing to steal each other's thunder as the applause got louder and louder and louder and yeah. louder. Uh, we see that a little bit with the horse and Sarah Lynn here, which is quite cute because, of course, Bojack, Bojack Horseman would try to outshine a young girl just getting a lot of these cheers. What we also see, Michael, or certainly an attempt at it, <laughs> between Ethan and Sarah Lynn. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so the, the orphans haven't had a Christmas. Uh, we learned that Sarah Lynn never learned to read because she... <laughs> Despite hearing the word Christmas in an enormous gaping plot hole that it invites us to dive into, she says, what's a Christmas? <laughs> She's not reading it. She's heard the word. <laughs> but they're trying to force that plot point in. So she says, oh, we get presents for just being good. That's too much, man. And as we learned, obviously, probably within the episode, that was her big catchphrase. It brings the house down. And then they do the line again, and it still brings the house down because this show is a lazily written piece of crap. But it's catchphrase comedy, so catchphrase comedy gets over, doesn't it, Nicholas? And it is in a different context, in fairness to them. They do at least do that. Well, <clears throat> Ethan tries to get in on this with oh, his own line. God. This Santa Claus sounds like a real piece of work. Yowza, yowza, bo, bowser. <laughs> <laughs> With a little jig that gets zero reaction from, a, at this point, a crowd that we're very aware exists. So the silence is deafening to that non-joke. He gets, he gets like a couple of sparse claps in this particular <laughs> instance from a distance. But it does get progressively worse for poor old Ethan. The goal of them to do Sarah Lynn's twice over less than 30 yeah. seconds as well. It's just, there are, there are a lot of brilliant nods to a show that is inelegantly written where nobody is particularly trying and there are more to come. Um, so we see the horse in a workplace. It's a very generic work for, workplace. Well, let's believe it's a, a law firm. Um, he's having a flirtation with the receptionist because she's basically the only other female character written into the show. So, of course, she has to be in love with the lead. That's another sitcom convention that reduces a female character to nothing straight away, not least by the job she's doing. Every male is important. Every female is there to serve the male and so on and so on and so on. There is absolutely bucket loads of exposition to get us from A to Z straight away. We learn all about their relationship. We learn about how Bojack was so work, work, work before the kids came along. We work, learned about how we would work every Christmas, all that sort of stuff. We've learned everything there is to know about Bojack's life, past, present and future by the result of the scene, as you always get, because every sitcom is designed for a just-in-case first-time viewer, isn't it? You must never ever leave anything to question um the big gag here is that the uh, the firm's owner has heard him bitching about him over the intercom and all sort of sitcom staple oh he's right behind me isn't he worse is on the intercom nice cute thing here is that we know not that this is real in the episode that the boss has been played by her because as with an off-camera role because we recognize his voice he's playing bojack's boss which is quite pointed because that had become the dynamic in their relationship whether bojack wanted to admit it or not uh, there's some oh, 
latent anti-Semitism buried in the dialogue that comes from Herb directly <clears throat> that Bojack and his co-star don't know how to react to. <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which in a show that has already cast Bradley Hitler Smith. Bradley feels, Hitler Smith. He becomes more relevant as this episode goes on. Feels incredibly pointed. And the gist of all of this scene was the horse is going to work the Christmas day, the first Christmas day of the orphans. Da, da, da. He is indeed. Although he does technically, he's allowed to have the morning. That's what he gets. He gets told, you can have the morning, but I expect you back in at work. Absolutely no more. Um, so we cut back to the house. Obviously, we meet uh, Goober, local neighbour. The catchphrase is, go home, Goober, whenever Goober turns up. So we're led to understand straight away that he's that irritating neighbour that always turns up. He's been hired by this case by the horse to play Santa. He flirts with Olivia uh, in his pretty lousy Santa outfit. Uh, the horse surprises Sabrina. Uh, as she walks in, played by Sarah Lynn, with this Santa Claus, who she's not really convinced by because it's rubbish crack and she knows it's Goober. Uh, at which point, as Goober is sort of like flirting with Olivia and has got his arm around Sarah Lynn, we cut back to Todd and Bojack, who were having a conversation about the merits of Christmas episode before the chat goes completely off the rails. And they discuss that the actor that played Goober went on to molest LA Laker girls. Oh, God. And then Bojack defends him in a weird way. The very idea that after slagging off Christmas episodes, after pretending that he wasn't interested in horsing around, Bojack would suddenly try to protect the integrity of it by protecting a sex offender when we are watching the piece of garbage he is protecting. Yeah. It's layered. That man's led a sad life. Um, back <laughs> to the episode, Sabrina has said for Christmas she wants a personalised pencil set, she wants some princess pony toys, <laughs> but the horse like ill-equipped for the situation, sets her up to ask for, specifically Nicholas, whatever she wants, her biggest dreams. He is explicitly clear about that. So uh, she simply turns to Santa, Goober in this case, and says, Santa, I want my mommy and daddy to come back. Oh, man. We get three reaction shots. Three, which is time filling within horse and around. It's a repetition of the interstitial music. Because obviously a sitcom wouldn't know how to subtly get across that this is a pretty sad moment. So it smashes you over the head with it really, really hard. Uh, and then as if to sort of do the drag followed by the gag of a regular Bojack horseman, we cut to Todd and Bojack back watching the episode, instead arguing about Die Hard. But brilliantly, in a kind of a take on how most people argue if Die Hard is a Christmas film, they are instead arguing about the plot. Instead of that typical cliche debate, which I really like, I thought it was a nice spin on that same diehard conversation that everybody has. And I like that they were having that chat following on from the only moment of horsing around that might have come with a little bit of heft and a little bit of pathos. Yeah, it kind of follows the formula we've had with Bojack the, Sh Bojack the Show, obviously the mm -hmm. drag and the gag. But most importantly, because they discuss diehard and you think, oh, it's going to be the Christmas discussion. Is it a Christmas film? Isn't it a Christmas film? But actually, again, which we see time and time again, they use the, the lens of a sitcom to talk more about sitcoms. And they do mention, of course, the, the actor who played the policeman in Die Hard was also in the show Family Matters, which, of course, again, brings us back to the sitcom nature of it. And it's just world within world within world they're trying to talk on, yeah. It's really staggering. And, like, I admire so much in this episode the commitment to the bit uh, for them to go, to, not to go daft, but to go as big and as broad as they do with horsing around and then use the Bojack and Todd moments to absolutely skewer it to remind you that that's the joke. Like if they went any lighter and we will get into more and more stuff they smash you over the head with in horsing around. If they went any lighter, it's almost as if it wouldn't be what 
we were always promised in the first season. We've been given a lot of things to imagine about horsing around. And this in itself is a payoff to all those little jokes. Yeah, and I think the they spend a lot of time specifically trying to, like with this gag here about, oh, it's the guy from Family Matters. Well, Todd's then saying, it's the same character. And mm. Bojack's like, no, he's, it's the same actor. It's not the same character. Todd argues that it's actually, they're both policemen and maybe it's the same guy from Family Matters. <laughs> he's actually playing the same character. And it, again, it just adds this layer of uh, Hollywood and everything around it and about it and inside of it. Is it fake? Is it real? What mm. is the fiction? What is the reality? Nobody knows anymore because we've all blurred the lines so much. And this is like the perfect vehicle for this. We're talking about Die Hard and an actor who's in another sitcom. But we're talking about this on the show Bojack Horseman that is currently stepped out to break the fourth wall of the show Horseman Around that we've just spent the last however many minutes in. It is a mangled mess, but it's it's exactly what Hollywood is. Yeah, it- Bojack always being the one to leap to the defence of the actor that played the role is obviously because he panics that Todd thinks that he's the horse from horsing around. Yeah. Like he lives with the worry that everybody <laughs> on the street that passes him saying, Hey, aren't you the horse from horsing around? Like he's trying to stop that one critic at a time. Actually, case, you make a oh. very good point there. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't connected the dots there myself, but that's exactly what this is, isn't it? Bojack is terrified that of him being known as the horse from horsing around, yeah. which is why he fights the corner of everybody saying they're not the character. They're a different person. Brilliant. But he, but he probably could have let Goober be a sex offender off. <laughs> that, that was the one hill not to die on. He could have let that one go. Uh, so we're back to the sitcom. Uh, as we discussed, the horse has to work Christmas. Um, <laughs> there's a dance break for no reason. He's obviously Bojack trying to get his very early night, his dance routine over to possibly sell some sort of single at Christmas or something like that. We saw that in Do the Bartman. We saw that in, again, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. This was oddly staple of the time and this also throws back to bojack when he was trying to um i can't remember the exact episode but do you remember when he's trying to do the toothpaste song with herb yeah that's right this yeah. is bojack trying to do 90s-esque sitcom stuff where he's trying to get his own bit in trying to get it to work and make him the star again like you say fighting against the truth here that sarah lynn is actually probably the breakout star that's the one and you know to to go back to sarah lynn the lines that you notice through this episode are becoming increasingly more Sabrina-centric. This is horsing around, but this show is already drifting away from the horse's control into being a vehicle, a star-making vehicle for Sabrina. Um, she is hammering the plot line that her parents are coming back. We see constant repetition of the gag convention. I've heard of insert thing here, but mm. this is ridiculous. Because <laughs> Herb Kazaz is just farting these scripts out. There's a line from Bojack. <laughs> She'll go from reindeer to rain don't. <laughs> Those aren't opposites. That doesn't work. Uh, oh. Olivia, to get around Sabrina, obviously Sabrina's parents are dead. They're not coming back. Olivia oh. is the worst plan to trick Sabrina into being bad <laughs> so that Santa doesn't bring her presents. They do the big, long, laborious Bojack. I am not doing that. I am not doing that. Smash cut to... Bojack but, doing that. But the worst part is it's not even... They don't even let you have a smash cut because they make you go so long. It is, like... This is the point, like, there. there is, like, every single gag, you are smashed over the head with ten sledgehammers. But yeah. it couldn't be any other <laughs> way. I don't think you could script this episode to play out in a way that would match their expectations unless it was done that way. So it's just... No. All, the, all the laughs are so incredibly satisfying as they're going on. The horse goes along with Olivia's terrible plan. 
And in order to make uh, Sabrina be bad, he presents her a enormous galosh tray sized, I'm talking 50, like an unrealistic amount of cookies piled up in front of her and tasks her with the role of not taking a single one. She has to guard them for no adequately explored reason within the plot. Like the horse is just leaving the scene. He says, you have to guard those cookies, but you can't eat a single one of them. And then Sabrina has this moment where she tries to rationalize with herself by not eating the cookies. And then the horse is looking through the door to see if she's breaking the rule that he set. And he says the line. <laughs> Again, going back to this convention that they've used about six times. I've heard of Lucky Lucky Don't Eat the Cookie, but this is ridiculous. No, I've never heard of that. You've never heard of that. Because that's not a thing. That's and not a line. The cut back to Bojack and Todd. Bojack with the most disdain, this filthy disgust for his own work, just goes, what? He's <laughs> absolutely appalled with himself. This is, I think, in reviewing these episodes week on week, which I try to do in sort of a imagined solitude, I'm watching on a laptop or I'm watching on an iPad or a phone with my headphones and I'm fastidiously taking notes. I think this was the most disruptive because I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed so hard yeah. at this. There is <laughs> something that obviously we can't get across in this podcast, but that that utter disgust that Bojack had for this in one monosyllabic gesture, it skewered the writing, it skewered the process, and it skewered his whole career. It skewered what at this point is his life's work. Everything. It, it whether despite the fact that up until this point, really, we've seen Bojack watching horsing around and kind of reminiscing and thoroughly enjoying himself. When he watches this, I think this might be the first time we've watched him watch it and go like, "What the hell is this?" And the fact he can't even, he can't even get the word "what" out. It's just a noise. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a nah. like yeah. it's like a half horse, half man noise that comes out of him. It's like he's in a new metal band trying to do an Nirvana cover in the it voice is, of Kurt. In the Kurt Cobain. It is a noise that makes you piss yourself laughing. Um, there's also a nice, I think, another sort of reference forward to the relationship that we would see develop between uh, Bojack and Sarah Lynn in later life through the plot, which is Bojack trying to tease Sarah Lynn over to the dark side. This is obviously Olivia's plan, but the horse has to enact it. And what are now currently cookies will later become things that are far worse, as we saw when they did yep. interact together in, in Hollywood, which... Obviously, throughout, there are various little nods that I know, obviously, you'll, you'll probably have a few lined up. And it's just stuff like that that I think is, that's a reward for the fans of Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Like, more than this just being a standalone. Yeah, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. This is far from just being hidden in the bowels of Netflix. This is a gift for anyone that finds it. And I think that's mm. exactly how it does that. Um, yeah. Powerful, powerful stuff. The Christmas day arrives and the horse has got Olivia and Ethan thoughtful presents. He's got Sabrina, the uh, the princess play shirt she asked for. Um but she comes to the realisation that her mum and dad are not coming back. They're dead, Nicholas. Uh, Goober dressed as Santa Claus couldn't do this. The horse couldn't do this. No, no Herb Kazaz could not write this because he clearly could not write his way out of a paper bag. So he couldn't, he couldn't <laughs> write parents back to life. Um, <laughs> she said, this is another huge gag. <laughs> She's about to cry. <laughs> so Ethan does the line, oh, cue the waterworks in. And oh, God. We're waiting for the countdown, obviously, from three, two, one. No, he starts at 30, <laughs> 29, 28, and then it cuts back to Bojack and Todd, and we hear Bojack fast-forwarding the entire countdown from 30 down to one that actually happened on the show. 
<laughs> and even better is that after all of this, she doesn't even cry. <laughs> <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Stupid Ethan, man. Stupid goddamn Ethan. He's the worst. He's the yeah. absolute worst. You would point the hose at his crotch, wouldn't you? You would yeah, throw the football would. in his face. Yeah, you had it coming. You had it coming. <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> But Sabrina finds a letter on the Christmas tree. It's from her parents in heaven. Uh, they love her. They're proud of her. They're grateful of what she's become as a daughter. But she's still got it. It's not enough. Um, she storms off to her room and we get the sad music again that implies that all is still not well in the horse and round house. Um, we find ourselves next to Sabrina's bedroom where the horse has gone to make her feel better. Great, brilliant flash forward line from the horse to Sabrina, but he's really from Bojack to Sarah Lynn when he says to her, You have to trust that I know what's good for you. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Um, which is great because obviously all this is clunky sitcom dialogue, but we, the fans of Bojack Horseman, are allowed to find little things in that wherever we want. Um, there's some dreadful patter about Santa Claus being a parent <laughs> being responsible for killing her parents. <laughs> then the horse reveals that Santa isn't real in order to get to a second payoff where the horse says, and I quote, if it took your parents dying for you to be for you to be part of my life, I'm glad your parents died. I'm glad they died and they're never coming back. At and which point? Sarah Lynn replies, when you put it that way, I am too. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. And and not even just that, but on top of all of this, the thing that you've slightly glossed over there is that the <laughs> he uses Santa Claus as like an allegory for God as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a, such a weird line that he crosses where essentially Sarah Lynn is directly talking about a man. Or how could anybody let people suffer for so much and then not do anything about it? This is literally a direct attack on religion at the same time <laughs> as Bojack. 
manages to convince an eight-year-old girl that it's a good thing that her parents are dead. All of this happening, of course, on Sarah Lynn's bed. Uh, yeah. Can't go without a mention. Um, just, oh. just I like the idea that a show with so little class and elegance would race towards a happy ending in yeah. such a clumsy way, just falling just, arse just, first just through wall as fast wall as they wall. can to try yeah. and get there. Oh. Um, he gives her the pencils that she wanted, the personalised pencils, so they can do the Sabrina can't read gag again. She has asked, oh yeah, around this, she has asked for pencils with her name, Sabrina, printed on them. So she knows that those pencils say Sabrina, and yet she reads them. Sab, 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 and then the horse, Bojack, frustrated, interrupted. It says Sabrina. Like, it doesn't Sabrina. even act, he's getting pissed off with her mugging. I love that. I love that. Again, that hackneyed attempt to gain sympathy for a character. The two ways they've done it are in ways that are completely logical. If you want to have an orphan that has never experienced a Christmas, that is a stretch, but it is sort of possible. If you want to have an orphan that has never learned to read, that is a stretch, but it is also possible. But for God's sake, find the ways in which that makes sense logically within the wafer thin universe you've created for this show. God damn it. Herb Kazaz, powerful this. Herb Kazaz is a hack. And what a hack. And this feels important to learn now, based on what we've learned so far about the relationship between Herb and mm. Bojack. Um, so speaking of Herb, anyway, uh, the horse, having had this reaction with uh, Sabrina and made everything right, he calls his boss. Uh, he doesn't actually call. He just picks up the phone and we hear Herb's voice on the other end. Um, he says he's not coming into work. And obviously we get that traditional cliched sitcom payoff where the boss says, it took guts for you to say that horse. Uh, I'm making you partner. There is yet more anti-Semitism about another colleague. Oh, man. Who happens to be Jewish. That's absolutely gross. <laughs> but that's where the episode ends. And is the, the colleague the colleague's called Goldstein as well, isn't he? Yeah, to the <laughs> point where early one of the episode, the horse went, he's Jewish. He's um, Jewish? <laughs> there is a... They could not make it any clearer what both the intentions of these characters are and rather sinisterly the intentions of the writers. It's minging. Yeah. Really minging. Oh, like, really bad. Really it's bad. A dark, the dark laugh within the context of Bojack Horseman, the television show, but it probably highlights a pretty significant issue that was happening for real at the time in Hollywood. Mm. Um, the episode ends all but for a, a quick pan back downstairs where the family are enjoying playing with their presence. And uh, one of the characters... Uh, sorry, no... Uh, the, the question is, who wrote the letter? And then we hear ho, ho, ho over top of the letter itself uh, to imply that Santa Claus is real after all. Which, I'll put it to you, Nicholas, that if in the universe that uh, horse and round established that Santa Claus is real, which Todd and Bojack debate, does that mean that the real Santa Claus actually did murder Sarah Lynn's parents? There's a very good chance there's a spin-off episode here, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas killer. Where Billy Bob Thornton's bad Santa goes around and murders Sarah Lynn's parents. Oh, so, yeah, the episode ends. Obviously, Todd and Bojack briefly discuss um, Santa, Santa's, whether or not Santa's real in the universe of Horsing Around, and then debate the importance and cultural relevance of Horsing Around and Christmas Day in general. Uh, Bojack notes that Horsing Around made eight other Christmas specials and sort of gently offers Todd an opportunity to sit and watch them with him. Um, as a kind of as an acknowledgement that this hasn't been as bad as he thought it was going to be, and he'd rather spend his actual Christmas day yeah. in the company of Todd than by himself. The episode ends, ironically, like a conventional Christmas sitcom would, with the camera panning away from Bojack's house as Todd offers him Christmas thing after Christmas thing after Christmas thing, which Bojack pies off until Todd just offers him drink bourbon, and Bojack says yes. Uh, and that was the Christmas special of Bojack Horseman and Horsing Around, and I am sweating. 
Oh, man. Honestly, for anybody who hasn't seen this already at this point and had just discovered it, you are most welcome. <laughs> for anybody who has seen it already, I'm sure you've enjoyed re-watching it and listening through. But horsing around by nature, Michael, and mm -hmm. horsing around by name, put them together and let's go diving into this episode now as always we go back and check out all of the the hidden meanings the easter eggs and the small details you might have missed in the episode now i will preface this by saying there wasn't a ton mm. but so what i've done is because it was obviously quite an exciting episode to be within a different universe um i have also done a bit of digging for some trivia this week. Oh, okay. So because you know, I like to I like to deliver for the people back home. Yes. You know, you've had you've had a hard week. You probably had a hard couple of months actually at this point, <laughs> uh, or what feels like an eternity. So let's dive into this. Shall We're we? not going to hurt Kataz this podcast for people, are we? Well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if we go to the credits at the very beginning, uh, you will notice that the kids, the school they go to, is mm. called Fair Meadow Primary. Mm -hmm. You'll see it's a quick flash that goes past. There is, in fact, a real-life Fairmeadow Elementary School, which you can find in, and I apologize for this pronunciation, Paulo Alto in California, of course, oh, Los yeah. Angeles, where the show is. Now, I've said Los Angeles confidently there, but I don't think that's correct. But tell me, shout at me, at Podcast Horseman. I'm sure you can tell us stupid Brits that we don't know nothing <laughs> about America. Um, a little bit of trivia for you in terms of the horsing around soundtrack itself, Michael is actually sung and composed by Jesse Novak. You may have seen his name pop up in the credits at all at some point, who is the brother of one BJ Novak, who is Ryan from ah. the US. So there you go. Talented or, siblings. Or just the office for all you people in America. <laughs> I guess. Very, very talented siblings. Uh, we found it hilarious that the house number that Bojack lives in is, <laughs> I can't even do this justice, 101961. And oh, 101,9961, that? <laughs> that is. That's the number of his house. Uh, <laughs> quite incredible. Lovely little tie here because the taxi pulls up outside the house, uh, which Michael seems very similar to when the taxi pulls up outside on Fresh Prince of Bel Air when Will gets out of the taxi to mm. go and stay with his auntie and uncle, of course. Yeah. Um, which I thought was very deliberate. It felt it feels deliberate that there's a lot of this which I'm going to touch on more. Um, I've just written down here because it was noteworthy Bradley Hitler Smith. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, that's perfect. Um, at the start, as you mentioned, where there's a whole bunch of hilarious things happening, one of which Ethan getting hit in the face with the um, American football that Bojack throws. There's also Ethan getting water on the crotch. But before all of that, Bojack is playing mini golf hmm. with the orphan. Michael, there's a dark bit of innuendo in this little bit of golf, isn't there? Because mm -hmm. as they're playing the golf, Bojack takes his putt and knocks the golf ball right between the open legs of Sarah Lynn, who is standing oh. over the hole on the mini golf course. I'm sorry, I realise this is a family podcast. Oh, but man. Sorry, I need is... to stop and make myself a penis butter and jelly sandwich. No, you don't. <laughs> Get the hell off the green and off the course and change sports, please. Oh. Um, yes, very telling that the horse... Puts the ball in and one between Sarah Lynn's legs. Let's move the hell on very quickly into the episode itself. And um, a little bit of trivia for you. The guy who was shouting constantly that he loves the catchphrases, that he wants Sarah Lynn to say the thing. He also mentioned something hilarious about um, highlighting the fact that this is really anti-Semitic show. <laughs> is, is Raphael Bob Waxberg, the creator. He does the voice of the oh, guy heckling, which 
probably fits even better to why we're highlighting all of the anti-Semitic letters <laughs> in, this, in this show. Uh, now, my favourite little tidbit of this that I managed to dig. Sometimes Michael doing homework pays off, you know. Uh, the office that we see Bojack go to and work at is called Liberatore. Now, there's a few things here. Um, of course, Mr. Liberatore, the voice that comes out of the thing, is, of course, Herb Kazaz, as you mentioned, which is the perfect um, TV trope that we see in the unseen minor character who's off-screen. We don't get to see them at all. Very similar to, like, Maris Crane from... Um, yes. That sort of thing, which, of course, ties in with the sitcom theme of the episode. But in the title of the company, I was thinking, what could possibly be the meaning of this? Who has come up with this name? Now, the date at the bottom does say the company started in, I think it says 1967. Um, I didn't find anything on that. But the name itself, I did a quick little Google search to see if anybody came up. Now, Michael, what year did Bojack Horseman come out? 2014. 14 is correct. And the Christmas mm-hmm. special mm-hmm. came out on December 19th, 2014. Okay. Now, rewind your calendar back, though, to November 2014. Mm-hmm. And Adam Liberatore, who is a baseball player, mm-hmm. signed from the Tampa Bay Rays to join the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, very good. In November 2014. And I have a sneaky suspicion that while they were trying to come up with a name for this company, whoever was in charge, was perhaps a Los Angeles Dodgers baseball fan and used yeah. the name Liberatore and put it as the name of the company. That is my best find ever, that. <laughs> Tremendous. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. A couple of tiny other things. There's a coffee mug on the table that just says, I like coffee, <laughs> <laughs> which I enjoyed quite a lot. Um, in the house, we go back. Uh, there's a scene where Olivia and Ethan are both reading magazines Nothing huge here, but I guess Olivia's reading a magazine called Motorcycle Monthly, which ties into her wanting the jacket. But on the mm. back, it says, life's better in leather. And there's a picture of a deer wearing a, wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> also, Ethan is reading Calculator Quarterly. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little note on the front that says um, that it's now with the reverse the reverse Polish notation, which is obviously a calculator term, but on the back of the magazine it also has an advert for a classic ruler. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Because Ethan is dry as all hell. I am. I have. I have one, if I may, from that room at that shot. You may. Did you have the picture on the wall of the family I, all together? So I didn't know because I've seen that picture so many times. You kind of stop looking at it, don't you? And so the picture itself of the family in the background, just by the staircase, features the horse with his arms lovingly around Sabrina and Olivia while Ethan's at the back trying to get his arms around the horse. (laughs) So that hovers over them the whole time that like the horse has love for two and tolerate the third. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, there you go. That's why you're here every now and again. (laughs) One slips through the net, just like Ethan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We go to Bojack's house. And there's a few wonderful little bits, yeah, when him and Todd are having the exchanges between one another. Um, they have a little bit of dialogue, to which point Bojack says, you can't just make yourself sound smart by saying things backwards, Todd. To which point Todd says, oh, I can't. Can't I? <laughs> <laughs> but not only is that quite a clever bit of wordplay, unlike we see on Horsing Around, but also a little nod to Downer Ending, episode 11, where Todd, in fact, is talking backwards in the hallucin- hallucinations that Bojack is having, where he says Aaron Paul is dead, I believe he says. 
True. Whatever he says. That's brilliant. So a nice little nod there. Little um, little other nod as well. Uh, Bojack, you'll see, is drinking Guten Bourbon from a can, from a bunch of cans, actually, <laughs> uh, which is obviously a nod to the episode Prickly Muffin, where they do the Guten Bourbon advert shoot. Um, but more interestingly, this is just a random bit of trivia, this, which I'm sorry for highlighting, because I don't ever want to shine this show in a bad light. There's just a random bit where in the animation, the can of Guten Bourbon that Bojack is holding... Mm. Uh, has flip reversed and the logo is the wrong way around. It's just not right. Oh. Uh, you'd have to be really paying attention or just be a big fat nerd like me to notice. <laughs> but in his hand, when he's drinking at one point, it has literally flipped back to the point where it looks like it's in a mirror. So you can't, and then it flips back in the next scene immediately. So it's obviously just a little animation quirk, but. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's nice. Um, it's nice that they were drinking that, as you say, a reference to Prickly Muffin. That was the big Sarah Lynn is off the rails because this show has broken her life. And Absolutely. all of that led to a beer sponsorship that gave them free drink with which to drink and toast this nonsense that's still watching. It's, it's the fact that it all still ties together is really neat. Relevant. It's all relevant, Michael. Um, now, in the house in Horse and Around again, Ethan, when he's re- this is one of the last ones before, I've got a few tiny other observations, but uh, Ethan mentions uh, Ch- Charles Krauthammer um, when he's reading, the, uh, he's reading the international business paper. I can't remember what it's called. International Businessman, I think it is. International <laughs> Business News, I think it is. Yeah. And he mentions, he says, oh, something like he says, oh, Charles Krauthammer, like he's done it again or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not just a throwaway, but it is also relevant because, uh, as Wikipedia will tell you, Michael, Charles Krauthammer was an American political columnist, a conservative political pundit. In 1987, Krauthammer won the Pulitzer Prize for his column in the Washington Post. His weekly column was syndicated to more than 400 publications worldwide, we assume, including international businessmen. Wow. There you go. Good catch. Um, so there you go. That, Ethan's not a complete waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he has a couple of observations I've made uh, based on the characters within the show. Mm-hmm. Because obviously the big theme within this episode is um, sitcoms. The one that they seem to lean on quite heavily for this is uh, Full House, uh, mm. the American sitcom. Like... Even down to the fact that Olivia and Sarah Lynn feel like they both kind of play similar versions to characters. So Olivia kind of feels like DJ Tanner from Full House. And Sarah Lynn is similar to Michelle Tanner, who is, of course, one of the Olsen twins. Who That's right, was, yeah. Of course, well, they used to alternate between the character. But, yeah. So there's, it's very similar. Down to the point where literally Michelle Tanner has the outfit, the pink overalls mm. that Sarah Lynn wears. Um, Gooba, on the other hand... <laughs> Is actually similar. The immediate person I thought of was, um, did you ever watch Sister, Sister? Roger. Roger. Yeah. The point where literally the quote is, go home, Roger. Go home, Roger. Sure. Yeah. Go home, Roger. So obviously you feel like we've nicked a bit from that. Um, but that's pretty much it for all my observations. That's, I try to dig deeper, get a bit of trivia for you just to add in there because we were a bit light. It was a, it was a thinner episode than usual. But... Well, it was a thinner episode because we were watching a thinner episode of a television show. Wasn't it? <laughs> <Thinner Yeah. laughs> there wasn't a great deal of depth to it, was there? <laughs> Other than the ones we applied to it through pure mm. sadness and experience with poor Jack. <laughs> However, we've reached the point, Michael, mm. where, as always at this time, we've done all the usual bits, but there is time still for one last thing, and then I swear to God, I'll shut up about this podcast forever. Now, would you like to go first this week? I would, if that's okay, because I you feel can, like I, you can. I feel like I gave the game away, barely being able to get through the review of the episode <laughs> without stopping every five seconds to piss myself laughing. The 
the whole point of this episode obviously was to highlight the horsing around is a piece of garbage it's bad television made yeah. by actors that weren't interested in anything other than themselves made by a writer that was just in it for the money produced by a system that couldn't care less for the art but in the way it's presented through the prism of bojack horseman it's maybe the funniest episode of the show we've reviewed at this point it's very very high on the list and for a sitcom for a bad sitcom to to have such a high hit ratio of things that make you laugh things that make you pop and bark out laughing as i did so many times this episode it's just so goddamn bojack horseman like how dare it the goal of them to make this (laughs) as funny as it was i couldn't i didn't think i could love Bojack Horseman more and I remember a quick personal aside I remember watching this episode much like probably a lot of people that have listened to our um, reviews just sort of finding it a bit one day I think I did a search I was ready to go dive back in in the middle of season three or whatever I was up to and then saw this Christmas thing flash back in yeah. where's that come from so I watched it out of order I watched it out of time and luckily it's timeless so it doesn't offer you any sort of spoilers or anything and I remember thinking it then and just thinking I can't wait to watch this back because I'm breathless from laughing here and I can't wait to see the things I've missed. <laughs> yeah. all, so there's all kind of points you've highlighted there. Just just the balls on them to make the, arguably the funniest episode of this first run be about a show that intrinsically isn't funny. Inspired, absolutely inspired. Bojack Horseman is God tier telly. And if you yet don't believe it, of all things, the novelty Christmas special could be the one to tell you. How many other shows do you know that are that good Right, that the writing team on that show is so incredible that they managed to create a fictional show within that show where they deliberately write bad television to produce something that's absolutely hilarious based on the fact that the fictional writers have tried to create something that is inherently not funny at all. There are far more examples of this going wrong than well. Mm. Um, I'd point to The Office, Threat Level, Midnight, where yes. Michael Scarn as an example of it doing really well. I would point to uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 or 4, where you can sit and watch the telly in your character's house for a long time because the content they have put on those TV channels that mm. your character flip through is really, really funny. But more often than not, when shows attempt this, it goes wrong. Ironically, it's shows like Horsing Around or the shows that Horsing Around references that tries to do this and it never remotely feels believable. It never yeah. feels lived in or earned, as you put it earlier in the episode, and it does this magnificently. You could say, Michael, that when people sometimes try this, it's an absolute catastrophe. Would you agree? <laughs> I might. I might agree with that, yeah. <laughs> Which is handy that you agree with that, actually, Michael, <laughs> because... If this episode wasn't already wonderful, my one last thing is indeed the one last thing that comes (laughs) with this episode. Now, if you're one of these people who doesn't watch the credits of a TV show, specifically doesn't watch the credits on Netflix most of the time because they try to shepherd you off the episode so goddamn quickly, go back and re-watch the credits for this episode, this uh, Christmas special, because right at the very end, so you go through all the credits, but right at the very end... There's a vanity card at the end of the episode. Now, normally, in the place where the vanity card is, it would be Raphael Bob Waxberg's Boxer versus Raptor. Na, 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 na. But that little vanity card isn't there this time around, Michael, mm-hmm. because this isn't real. This is horsing around. This isn't <laughs> Jack Horseman. In its place, incredibly, is the vanity card for Herb Kazaz's production agency called 
all that all that Kazaz productions. That pops up at the very end. It's a little illustration of Herb. <laughs> and of all the things, Michael, that he could have said, Herb's catchphrase for his own company, production company, is, it's a catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not only uh, emblematic of the entire show, of the entire process of horsing around, but incredibly is also something we've already been introduced to. Because this is the headline that we see when it is uh, uncovered within the, the season one of Bojack, where Herb Kazaz is outed as being gay, and it's uh, the headline on the news is catastrophe across the top, right. which obviously right. makes more sense because they would have had this as a reference and they are using that as a joke for the headline, which... Well, his name literally rhymes with Kazaz. His company <laughs> is called All That Kazaz. Like, it's there. <laughs> In front of him. Herb Kazaz, as we keep going back to, as we learn in the very first scene with Bojack where he said he'd been stand-up in it, he'd been in stand-up a year now, so he yeah, knew no. it all went. Herb Kazaz ain't all that, really. Um, two he, hacks who got lucky. Two hacks yeah. who got lucky, these two. And it, the show wants you to know that at every possible corner, not least with Catastrophe, just foreshadowing the rest of his life, basically. <laughs> but on that high note... <laughs> We should, normally we would jump quick into quick plugs. However, we do just want to quickly recap what we're going to be doing with the next couple of weeks, as we did last week. Uh, so this was the Christmas special of, uh, of Podcast Horseman, of Bojack Horseman on Podcast Horseman, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there won't be a Netflix synopsis this week, because next week will indeed be the season one complete review, episodes one to twelve, for uh, Bojack Horseman, which I'm very looking forward to do. We know a lot of people were keen to have this as well as the episode-by-episode stuff, so we will indeed be adding this to eventually have a season-by-season review as well. So you've got that look to look forward to next that's week. Gonna which... be a, that's going to be 12 hours, yeah? We're just going yeah, to do them in one loop. Yeah, it's just a 12-hour podcast, and just we're also going to do a live podcast. stream for that, which should be... <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> we are going to try and compress that into an hour, maybe an hour and a half, potentially depends how long it ends up taking. Expect it to be longer, I would say. Just prepare for the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Which we probably should have put in the pitch of this podcast to begin with. It's If nothing else, as as you've mentioned, some very, very nice people have reached out and just said, like, obviously, as they're watching along, a recap is as good as anything. We would love, obviously, if you happen to be jumping on at the podcast at this point with this Christmas episode or speaking to people in the future that might catch it next week as a sort of incentive to go back and listen to the deep dives because well, I suppose we're going to be addressing all the various themes that address the characters, the journeys they've all been on. Just a nice sort of rounding out of where we find everybody before we start season two. There won't be any horsing around stuff in there. It's purely going to be focused around the plot and the characters and everything that happened. But we may we may come up with a few treats for you along the way. Who knows? There has been a few as the series have gone on. And obviously, we've just tried to answer as and when they come up. But at Podcast Horseman on Instagram and Twitter, if you've got any Indeed. questions or any thoughts or any opinions that you want to add that you haven't brought to us brilliantly as we've been going along, if there's just anything that crosses your mind, drop it in on one of the feeds on social media. Anyway, you can find us personally on Twitter and we'll see if we can bring them up in conversation as well. We all, as usual, as we always say, talk ourselves horse about the talking horse. If you want any questions answered about season one, obviously, take into consideration this is a spoiler free podcast. Mm. We don't want to spoil anything for anybody moving forward. But if you have questions like, I don't know, who was our favourites from season one, what were yeah, our favourite yeah. episodes, that kind of thing, by all means, get them into us before we record next week's episode, which I will let you know is probably going to be about Wednesday next week. So we'll put something on the feed. 
Yeah, we'll give us a shout. We'll, we'll put something out there. Let's try and get as many as possible on that. But if you're looking for where to send those questions to, well, you are in luck. You can find us at Podcast Horseman on Twitter, on Instagram. Please get in touch. Let us know how you're all getting on with the show. Or if maybe you're just feeling like you, you don't want to just, just follow the show, you'd also quite like to follow the hosts. I don't blame you. They are bloody wonderful. One of them <laughs> is me, and you can find me at It's Adam Nicholas. And you can also find Michael Hamflet on Twitter. At Michael Hamflet. And, of course, you can follow the podcast as well. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We would love you to subscribe if you want. If you've been downloading every week and you've not been too sure yet, if A, we're going to stick with you or you're going to stick with us, you can see now that we will be there for you every single week. So please hit that subscribe. We'll drop in for you straight away. You can follow along with us on Spotify very much. You'll get the same thing. We'll just be there. You don't have to do anything. You can listen along on Acast. You can, again, as we say, follow the Twitter to see those live updates on Friday morning when the podcast goes live and you can leave us a written five star review so we get searched which is exactly what conman did uh with the uh, title for the five star review best podcast about a show about a show which feels certainly very appropriate when we've done a show about a show about a show Indeed. on this week's episode so thank you conman for saying great job both of you listen to you guys on what culture and now i can't wait to hear you guys talk about more about anything including bojack horseman I plan on going back to Bojack because of this podcast. I hope you continue to do this. Greetings from Canada. Thank you so much, Conman in Canada. That's exactly why we're doing this. As we said from the very beginning of this podcast, it's the hardest conversation to have with people, why they should bother with this. But we hope through this podcast that more conversations of this nature are being had, not least while there's plenty of time to dive into Netflix's vast archive. Pick Bojack Horseman. You won't be disappointed. I couldn't agree more with all of that sentiment. Actually, just on a quick aside, well, I say quick, it's never going to be quick on you, is it? But <laughs> uh, as you and I, Michael, two guys who loved the show so much that we wanted to start a conversation about it further and maybe create something great out of that. Yes, Podcast mm. Horseman was the birth child of our love for this show. <laughs> Similarly, I was introduced this week. It kind of fits in with sitcoms as well. There are two guys who are trying to make a Seinfeld game, Michael Hamflet. I don't know if you saw this. Um, now, I realise we have a place to plug this, but maybe the listeners of Podcast Horseman might be interested. There is a, a guy, two guys, one called Jacob Janaka and one called Ivan Dixon, uh, who who are basically quite well-known within the industry for producing games, and one of them actually did the animations for a Donald Glover uh, music video as well. Right. These two are trying to team up because they want to create the game about nothing, essentially. The Seinfeld ah, okay. point-and-click game, which would only be a small thing. You can find the pitch at Seinfeld, seinfeldgame.com. They're using the hashtag Seinfeldgame on Twitter as well. Check that out, because honestly, it is amazing. Like, the animation style, the pitch that they've done for it is great. Nothing, nothing's official. They're just two guys with a dream, Michael, who are trying to make something happen about their favourite show. Hmm. I can relate to that, and I'm definitely behind that. So please do check that out and talk about it on Twitter, because the more people who do, the more people they might be able to take into another pitch and say, look how many people are interested in this. And then oh, I, yeah. the Seinfeld game. So there you go. <laughs> the rest of you. Um, other than that, the only other thing I will say is, after we do the season one review, we will be moving on to season two, full steam ahead, episode by episode again. So be prepared for that. That is what's coming. And Michael, I really have said more than enough today. So with that, I am Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflit. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.